Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a dynamic four-part series entitled All In. In this series, we will explore what happens when the full house of God puts it all on the line and goes all in. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. How are we doing today, New Hope? You guys sound fantastic. I, uh, I love uh, teaching videos that ask questions, especially what if questions, just like the one we, we just heard. And I wonder throughout this whole series, this all in series, if you've, uh, if you've given yourself the opportunity just to pause for a moment and say, what if? Like really, what if everyone went all in? What if everyone within the sound of my voice, maybe the better way to say it is, what if everyone within the sound of our voice went all in? How would that change our lives? How would that change our homes? How would that change our neighborhoods and our cities? We're going to, uh, to keep journeying in that uh, question today as we uh, have our last step, our last stage of all in. Throughout the series, Pastor Benji has been giving us great, uh, great helps to make sure that we have uh, tools to go all in. One of those has been a, a six-month reading plan. And I hope uh, some of you guys, or I hope all of you, have been, have been diving into that. And uh, he's also been challenging us to pray at, uh, at what time? 7.14, a.m. or p.m.? Both, right? Let's just, let's just do both. Where are, my, where are my morning people? Who's been praying at 7.14 a.m.? I thought there'd be more of you. But where are my, where, where are my evening people? So does everybody else. <laughs> all right, good, good, good. All right. He's, uh, he's been challenging us to serve, to get into ministry and to be serving. We've got the volunteer fair set up outside today. Uh, early on in the series, he was challenging us to make sure that we're giving all that we, that we can, that we're giving back to God. He even uh, passed out the tithing test uh, that day. And I know a lot of you have been, have been uh, taking that test. And if, uh, if you're saying, hey, you know, I'd really love to do that, but I didn't get in on it early on, just mark your Connect card. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you all the information you need. Uh, one of those, he said, just be here every Sunday. Just be here, take part, participate every Sunday that you can. And then there's been one more that he's sharing that I'm just going to leave uh, in suspense for a minute because I'm going to come back to it at the end of my message today. So today we're going to take that next step. And uh, at the end of my message today, I'm going to ask a very similar question that the video did, only just a little different. It said, what if a group of people went all in. So I'm going to ask something very similar, but just like I said, a, a little different. I tell you, I'm honored to be a part of this series because I think it's such an important series for the life of a church. And as we look towards the, the next decade of New Hope, so I'm honored to be a part of it. And I wonder if just for a moment, because I'm sure you guys have been really appreciative of everything Pastor Benji has been sharing up here. What if we just give him a quick shout out right now? Let's go ahead and do that. It's, uh, guys, it is, it is awesome to be a part of a church that's not playing church. Amen. You know what I mean? That, that shows up and says, we are all in. We are part of a movement. We are part of a vision and a mission to actually change lives uh, in a community. Now we're saying the Carolinas, right? And uh, before I go any further, why don't I do that? Why don't I welcome in all the campuses that are a part of the New Hope movement? So welcome to Sanford and Garner, NCCIW, the Latino ministry. Now we've got to look down to make sure we're getting everybody online, our, our iCampus, and uh, also, uh, back by popular demand, our coffee house. So would you all of you here at Central welcome all of them in wherever they may be. And uh, just to, uh, to, to, to seal off this series right, uh, I'd like to begin by, by praying for just, uh, for just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. 
God, we thank you for drawing all of us here this morning. Whether this is our first time here or our hundredth, thousandth time here, God, we are here uh, by design. You have something to say to us today. And so, God, I pray that all of us would listen. God, that we would uh, see how amazing it is that you invite us into your story. God, today we want to take that, that next step, whatever that might be, to go all in with you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I, I want to throw us out uh, this first question here today. Have you ever noticed that there are gaps in life? There are gaps in life. There's gaps between what is supposed to be, what is perceived to be, what should be, and what actually is. Have you guys noticed this? Parents and teachers, you know this. You can give a very eloquent speech, right, to a child. You can, you can be giving them all the advice, all your years of wisdom, and you really give them the how, the why, the what. I mean, and you're, you're walking away from the conversation, patting yourself on the back, right? Like, I'm going to write a book with this parenting advice. This is good stuff. You've done that. And then you walk away, and the kid goes and does the exact opposite, right? There's a gap between, like, what should have been and what actually is, right? There's gaps sometime in, sometimes in marriage, uh, you, you, you've experienced these. Um, it, it, it's without exception. Almost every day I walk out the door. My wife, she'll hand me something or tell me to grab something, do something. As I'm walking out the door, and she knows, she knows how this goes, right? So here's the deal. Like, I might have one of the world's, like, best long-term memories. Like, I can, I can take a, a snapshot of, uh, of a moment. I can talk to you today, and, like, five years later, like, I'll remember. I'll remember what you're wearing, what you said, how you said it. I'm, like, really good with that. But... My short-term memory is the exact opposite, all right? I've got a very slow shutter speed, if you're with me, if you're tracking with that, with that photography analogy. So I'm walking out the door, and she'll hand me something. She's going to hand me mail and say, hey, can you put it in the mailbox on your way out? And I'll say, sure. And then somehow it ends up in the car next to me, right? Like, I'm terrible. Or, like, she'll put my, uh, my food uh, for, for lunch, like, by the door. And she'll call me. I'm five minutes down the road. You forgot your lunch. I didn't see it. She's, I put it in front of the door, right? I mean, she's like, she knows there's gaps. There's gaps in my life. We all have gaps, right? Like how many times have we like said, hey, I'm going to eat healthy, right? Like I'm going to eat healthy. And you go to sort of buy salad and you walk out with a pie, right? You've, you've done that. You, yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife, not so long ago, she sent me this picture. I thought that this was hilarious. Maybe you've seen it online before, but it's uh, the picture basically says um, what I feel like when I run and what I'm pretty sure I actually look like. Have you seen this picture? T- take a look at this. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to, yeah, I'm pretty sure... It looks like I'm going to fall over while I'm running. Maybe this is you. But the real question today is this. What are the gaps in your life, right? Between what is perceived to be, what, what should be, what's, what's supposed to be, and what actually is. You see, we can be all in here on Sunday, right? We, we can put all of our chips in and say, I'm all in. And then Monday comes, and the kids wake up cranky, and you've forgotten everything you've learned or said you were going to do on Sunday, and, and Monday rolls around, and it's just sort of falling out. You can be all in here on Tuesday and say, God, I'm going to make these decisions. And then on Tuesday, you fly out to another city or another state or another country, and you've forgotten it all because you're, you're focused and dialed in. You can make life-altering decisions in here on a Sunday, and then Wednesday rolls around, and no decisions that are actually actually altering your life have taken place, right? You've been there. We, 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 we've, all, we've all been there. There's gaps between what we know to do, what we feel we should do, and what we actually do, between who we long to become and who we are actually becoming, between the decisions we make in here and those we make out there, between what we 
think and, and feel, and we, we, we're pretty sure we hear God say and what we do with it during the week. You see, what we do in here is important. It's incredibly important. There, there, are, there are things that stir in our hearts, but so often they stay in here. They, they, they stop short. You see, I know what stirs in your heart. I know it stirs in your heart in here when you're singing songs and you're watching videos or you're listening to a pastor speak and we're opening the scriptures together. I know it stirs in your heart because it's the same thing that stirs in my heart, right? You're, you're, you're challenged to be a better dad. You're encouraged to be a better mom, a better husband, a better wife. You, you say, okay, God, this is the day. This is the time that I will actually step up and be a leader at work. You're, you're challenged to leave behind mindsets or behaviors, you're, uh, you're encouraged. Maybe you, you feel compelled to go on a mission trip and fulfill tangible and spiritual needs across the country, or you, 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 you sense God saying, you need to do this, and maybe it's serve in some way in the community or to start something. You, you've got these great dreams and visions that God has given you. Maybe it's just simply to walk closer to God. You feel that God is challenging you to, to walk closer to him and experience life at a new level. Or maybe it's just simply to build meaningful relationships. You see, I, I know those things stir in you because they stir in me when I'm sitting where you're sitting. And here's the deal. I want these things for each of you. I don't want the gaps. Right? I want you to be able to step into them because here's the deal. My world's better. Your world's better. Our cities are better if we take what we hear in here and do it out there when we actually put it into practice. Yeah, I want what you want for your, your work, for your families, for your dreams and your visions and your goals. I want what you want. But there's a need, isn't there, to bridge the gap between what is supposed to be, what should be, what's maybe even perceived to be in our minds, and what actually is. You see, bridging the gap will take you from potential to realization. Bridging the gap will take you from potential to realization. Because here's the deal. Let's just be honest. It's okay to hear I have, I have potential when I'm a child. It's, it's even okay to hear potential whenever I'm a teenager. But whenever you're starting to get in your late 20s and 30s and 40s and so on, and someone says you have potential, you'd, rather, you'd like to start stepping into that potential, right? You'd like to start realizing. You'd like to see it actually start coming about in your life. And here's the deal. I want this for you too. We're going to be looking at James today. James chapter 1. And as we're doing that, I want to encourage you to, to, to grab out your teaching notes. We're going to be using these uh, throughout. Actually, I had to laugh last week because if, if you were here last week, Pastor Benji said, um, you know, we, we switched weeks. I was supposed to teach last week and he was hitting him this week and we switched. And uh, whenever he said, your, he said, your notes are useless. <laughs> they were only useless last week, all right? We're, we're still going to use them uh, and they, I think they're pretty useful today. You can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but grab those out. But James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, James knew then what we know now. There's gaps in our lives. Yeah, you can't simply go to church and say, I sang. I showed up. I felt good. I'm changed, right? We've got to do something with what we're feeling. Now, these are all pretty familiar to us in here, right? Even if this is your first time, you've probably seen these around the community. We all have them on our cars. There's a, a lot right now full of these magnets wherever, whatever campus you're at. And what does this say? I mean, I, I remember before I actually came to New Hope, seeing these around the community, and I was like, I love that line. What, what does it say? This changes everything. And so I was curious from an outsider looking in. I'm like, I want, what, 
what changes? <laughs> like, like what? Like, what do you mean this changes everything? I want to step in and see what that means. And here's the truth about this. If what we hear and feel and see in here, if we take it out there, church, it does change everything. It genuinely does change everything, but only if we put it into practice. So I, I love what, what James says here. He doesn't pull any punches, punches. That's James. If you just need someone to sort of punch you in the face and step on your toes, go read James today. All right, that, that's what he does. He says, don't deceive yourselves. There's no one pulling the wool over your eyes. You're doing it to yourself. We can tell ourselves stories sometimes, can't we? We, we can convince ourselves of things. I, uh, I remember uh, something very vividly that I did to myself once. I sort of let my imagination run wild, if you will. Whenever my wife and I, when we lived in California, we lived right in the middle of uh, downtown Pasadena when I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. And I would go for, uh, for runs. I'd run a few miles out, and I'd just kind of take that same path and run it back. And I'd, I'd run uh, through downtown Pasadena. I'd go through Caltech, which, you know, just Caltech uh, Institute. And then I would go into a little town called San Marino. And when I was running through all of this, there was tall buildings, so I couldn't, like, always see this, you know, pass, you know, just right above me very well. And then when I get into these neighborhoods in Caltech, there were these uh, really thick trees that would just overhang the roads. It was really pretty. But I couldn't, like, see up. But as I'm running, I could hear helicopters. It was just, just this, this hum. I didn't think much about it because when you live in L.A., you just sort of you have to get used to all the helicopters. They're just they're everywhere, right? I mean, you hear them all day, all night. And so as I'm running back, so I ran out and I'm running back. I just came through Caltech, and I, I look up, and there's a helicopter right over me. I mean, just, just right over me. And it you know, feels like it's right on top of me. And I, and I didn't think much about it. I kept running, and I'm, this helicopter was following me up Lake Avenue, right? It was just... Lake Avenue is a, a, just a main you know, drag that just sort of separates East and West Pasadena. And I'm running up Lake, and it's, it's just hovering right over me. And I start like thinking, like, oh, when I'm watching TV and I'm watching them like chase a car, right? <laughs> or even worse, so like there, so there was like a burglary that just happened, and they're, they're trying to find the person. Like, like the news crews will go and help the cops like find that person. And so I'm like, there's somebody like right around me because this, this helicopter is following me. Well, I get up to Lake and Colorado. Colorado's where the, uh, the Rose Bowl parade is. So I was heading north, and I turn um, to go west. And as I turn to go west, now I can see a little more. And I not only see there's a helicopter following me who then turns and goes with me, but there are also two more helicopters behind me and in front of me. And they're just circling. So now there's three, right? So I, I take off, and I'm running down Colorado. And as I'm running down Colorado, I turn on to Madison. I'm just like, I'm not far, maybe a half mile from my house. I then look up and see there's two more helicopters. So there are five helicopters swirling around me. And so now I'm no longer thinking they're looking for somebody. I'm like, they're looking for somebody, and they think I'm that guy. You know what I mean? And so I'm, like, and I'm running, too. It's like my blood's flowing, adrenaline's going. You know, like I'm like, my imagination is running wild. So I run into our apartment. Like I run up the steps, and I run in. And I should say this, too. So, our, like I said, right downtown Pasadena, on the other side, on the other side of our apartment complex, you know, a number of, of, you know, really tall buildings, on the other side is an interstate that just sort of runs right in the middle of uh, Pasadena as well, and it kind of goes underneath. So, like, the, they're, not, they're not, like, above the city where you can see them. They sort of go underneath the road, or, you know, kind of subterranean. And so I run in to my wife, and I'm like, you are not going to believe what has taken place outside, right? And she's like, I know, there was a wreck on the interstate, and the, the helicopters, she's like, every news channel is picking it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I, that's exactly what I thought was happening. It's exactly what I thought was happening, sure. I don't know if I ever had the guts to tell her what I actually thought <laughs> was taking place. We can let our imaginations run wild, can't we? Right, like, we can tell ourselves 
some serious stories. And James is saying, if you simply hear the word, read the word, feel the word in some way, and you don't do something with it, you're telling yourself a story. You're, let, you're letting your imagination run wild because what is uh, perceived to be is not what actually is. Jesus says it this way in Matthew. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. He's just saying this is what happens. There's, there's storms. Yet it did not fall because it has foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying this is going to happen. The storms are going to come. But what foundation are you building upon? I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. There's times, right? There's times where when it feels like the wind and the waves are just overcoming you and life is about to crash, you have this, there's this moment, there's this thought, if I just would have done, maybe I wouldn't be in this predicament. If I just would have done what I heard God already say, if I just would have moved when I felt convicted by the scriptures that one week, if I just would have you know, put into practice what that pastor was saying, maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. We've all been there. See, my goal today is not to, to make you feel bad. Not at all. My goal is to help you do well. You follow me? Uh, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I have these, these, these things I hear God say, and I, I, I'm too slow to put them into practice. My goal is not to make us feel bad today, but to help us do well. Let's put these things into practice and see how it changes things around me, around all of us. James continues on. Verse 23, he says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Well, in just in case you didn't think, James has a, he has a sense of humor. <laughs> he's having some fun with this. If, if you hear the word and you don't do anything with it, he's saying it's like looking in a mirror and walking away and forgetting exactly what you look like. Now, let's, let's take this a little bit further. Let's say you wake up and it's a Friday morning, like it's been one of those weeks. It's Friday morning. You wake up, you look in the mirror, and you cringe, right? Like, oh, oh no, too early. Too early to see this face, right? But you don't do anything with it. You just go on to work. You know, 10 a.m. rolls around, your boss calls you, and you're like, I don't know what's going on with you today, but like you need to like straighten up. And you look at your boss and you say, hey, I looked in the mirror. Is that going to be enough? No. Let's say like, you go out in the hallway and one of your coworkers pulls you aside and like, dude, I do not know what's going on with you today, but you need to straighten yourself up. And you get on there and you're like, well, you know what? Hey, listen, would you pray for me? I know I look bad, but would you pray for me? They're going to say, I'm gonna, I'll pray for you, but go do something, right? Go do something with this mess. Go clean it up, right? Let's, let's take it one step further. Imagine this is your house. Go ahead and pop that picture up on the screen. Imagine this is your house. When I was showing it this morning, they're like, is that your house? Yes, this is my, this is my humble abode. Imagine this is your house, and every day your neighbors walk by your house, and they get on you and say, paint your house, paint your house, paint your house. Your friends are like, seriously, like you're, you're, like you're making the neighborhood drop, like you need to paint your house. So one day, feeling convicted, you go to the paint store, you buy paint, you bring the paint home, and then for days later, your neighbors are still saying, you need to paint your house, you need to paint your house. And you're, you look at it, and you're like, I bought the paint, I bought the paint, what more do you want? If we don't apply 
the pain, we've actually gained nothing, right? If we don't apply what we're, we're hearing the Spirit of God share with us here, out there, we've gained nothing. We've gained nothing. It's sort of like going uh, and buying weights or exercise equipment. You've been there, right? You bring them home and they just collect dust, right? They, they, they become, you know, your exercise equipment becomes a coat, you know, a coat rack, right? You've been there. Or you bought a gym pass. It was, you know, it was the first of the year. I'm going to get in shape this year. You bought a gym pass and you never made it back to the gym. By year's end, have you gained anything? Probably just wait, right? Like we've all, we've all been there. You see, I'm a pastor because I believe what happens in here as we're sitting in rows, I believe it matters. I believe things begin to change here, but they only begin to change in here. We've got to go and actually do something with them. You see, I believe the things that, that God actually puts on our hearts in here will change lives. It will save marriages. It will, it will save uh, families. It will save children. Like what takes place in here will have far you know, reaching effects across the globe. I believe it. I believe it. But we've got to take it from here for that to actually happen. Recently, I heard about an author. Her name uh, is Bronnie Ware. And uh, before she was an author, she was, a, um, I believe, a nurse who worked in hospice care for a long time. So she spent a lot of time with people when they were at the end of life. And so over time, she would just, she would just sit with them and talk with them. And uh, as they would share their regrets, she began to sort of make notes. And she said, you know, a lot of people were sharing the same thing. A lot of their regrets were very similar. And so she actually wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Just that, that simple, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She kind of took a lot of the, she was hearing and kind of condensed it into five. I took those five and I condensed them into four. I think two of them are very similar. So I'm going to share them with you guys today. The first is this. Those at the end of life, when they had regrets, they said they wish they would have pursued happiness. They wish they would have pursued happiness. And she said it was interesting. They didn't actually realize happiness was an option. They were so afraid of change in their lives that they convinced themselves, they convinced others that they were content when deep down they knew that they wanted more. The second was they wished they had made friendships a priority. They wished they had made friendships a priority because when they were laying on their, their bed about to die, they felt very lonely. Uh, as the years and as the decades passed, they had focused on themselves so much that they let friendships little by little slip by the wayside. The third is they says they, they wish they didn't work so hard. And what was interesting in her book, she actually says this, man, are you listening? Every single man had this regret. Everyone. They wish they didn't work so hard. She said many of the women said the same. That they felt like they missed out on precious moments, precious years with their children, and they missed out on friendship with their spouse. Everyone said, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. And finally, and these are the two I kind of condensed together. It says they wish they had the courage to live lives of personal calling and conviction. They wish they had the courage to live lives of personal calling and conviction. They had so many unfulfilled dreams. And here's the kicker. It was due to the choices that they did or did not make. It wasn't like they were at the end of life saying, this happened to me. It was based on the choices that they did or did not make that they had all of this uh, regret. She said many actually developed illnesses because they let the bitterness and the resentment just store up in them for years upon years upon years. And that's where the illnesses that they were laying on the deathbed actually began. Isn't that amazing? And so what's, 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 what's incredible about all this is all these people sensed 
they knew there was something they were supposed to do differently, but for some reason they didn't, they didn't bridge the gap to actually doing it. They didn't step into it. They didn't realize their potential. I think that's why James says what he said. Let's read it again. Anyone who listens to the word, but he does not put it or does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. After looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. James saying it's foolish to hear it, to know you should do something about it, but never actually doing it. But he continues. There's good news for us. James doesn't stop there. Verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Those who put it into practice, James says, they'll be blessed in what they do. And what's incredible is he actually uses the word freedom. I think that's, that's, that's fascinating. I think there's a lot of people who either grew up in the church or sort of just have a bad picture of what the church is, don't think of the church as freedom. You know what I mean? But those of us who have put the, the, the principles we've learned in the scriptures in the practice, we would say, yeah, there's freedom there. When I, when I started doing what the Bible said with my finances, there was freedom. When I started doing what the Bible said about taking care of my body, there was freedom. When I, when I started listening and actually having like purity with my intimacy, there was freedom that I never found before. Or maybe it was with uh, the, what the Bible has to say about, uh, about authority. Whatever it might be, whenever I put those things into practice, I experienced freedom like never before. But the question still stands, doesn't it? Like, how do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge the gap from potential to realization? How do we bridge that gap? See, I recently did a, um, a test with, with my life group leaders. We were doing a training about a month ago, preparing for the, the semester that's going to start here at the end of this month. And as I was sitting with them, I did just a little test. I want you to go ahead and grab out your notes. On the back, right underneath where it says James 125, there should be some empty lines there. Although I'm saying some pretty good stuff, so you might have already filled it up. I understand that. That's okay. <laughs> but put a line. Put a line down the middle of those empty lines. Okay, just right down the middle. On the left side, I'm going to do, do the test with you guys. On the left side, write looking for. Just simply those two words, looking for. On the right side of that line, put found. So as I was sitting with my, with my life group leaders, I, I did this little test. I said, what, when people come to your group and they're looking for a life group, they're, when, they're, when they're trying to get into a life group, what do they tell you they're missing? You know, they come, they sit every week in a row, and they step into a circle, a group. What do they say they're missing? And they, they, we, we sort of filled up a board, and I kind of condensed them down to these four things. The first was this. People are looking for meaning. Go ahead and write that down. People are looking for meaning. I think another way to say that is just closeness with God. They, they want to they heighten their relationship with God. The second thing is they're looking for friendships. Looking for friendships. They want to get to know others better. The third thing, you can just simply write the word better. They want to be better. They want to be better spouses. They want to be better parents. They, they want to be better people. They, they just kind of want to actualize the, what, what they think God's calling them to do. And the last thing is they're looking for purpose. They're looking for purpose. You know, then when they step into a group, they say, I feel like God created me for something, but I haven't stepped into that yet. And so they're looking for purpose. So then I, I, I flipped. We had this, this big whiteboard. I kind of flipped the board over and I started writing on the backside. And I said, now, when people step in your groups and they commit to your group, they're like, they're in, they're participating, they're a part of the group. What do they tell you they found? Right? We, we know what, what they're looking for. What do they tell you they found? And so we just kind of fill up the board again. But basically, there were four main things that they were saying. The first is, 
they say they found meaning. Write that down, meaning. They feel like they're closer to God than when they started. Second thing they say they found are friendships. Genuine friendships. Are you, are you getting where this is going? The third thing they say is they're better. They're a better spouse now. They're a better parent. They're a better person. And lastly, they feel like they're beginning to step into their purpose. They're beginning to, to listen. As they're listening to group members, and as they're sharing their own story, and they're saying, I think God's telling me to do this, and I should do that. And group members are listening and encouraging, and they're going back and forth, and iron sharpening iron. They're saying, I'm beginning to find my purpose. As I was doing this with our life group leaders, they were beginning to laugh because they were like, we're saying the exact same things, aren't we? You've probably picked up on that pretty quickly. Those that step into a group, they say, what I'm looking for are these four things. This is where I need to, to bridge the gap. And when I step into a group, when I'm doing life with others, I bridge the gap. I actually step in to those things. Isn't that amazing? People that would sit in here in these rows every week and say, this is good, this is great. Like I'm, I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself, but there's something that I'm missing. They would step into a group and they would say, I actually found it. I was talking with a brand new life group leader uh, just the other day. I thought it was, was amazing what he shared with me. He said, I've been married for 12 years. He said, uh, nine of those years, we were in a life group. We were like in a group that was really committed to one another. And three of those years, we had moved away for a while. And we never really found a church that we were connected to. And we never found a group that we were connected to. He says, those three years, I didn't say it, he said, it. he said, those, were, those three years were the most difficult of our marriage. And it's not a coincidence. So when we are in a group and we're doing life with others and we're challenging each other, we're listening to each other, we're getting to know one another better, our marriage was better. We were better people. We liked ourselves when we looked in the mirror. We were better people. It was bridging the gap. And you see, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery why this actually bridges the gap. See, God created us to be in community. He created us to live in community together. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, God simply says, let us, talking about himself, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And what's interesting in, in chapter two, after he makes the man, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. That word alone actually means uh, uh, in, in the Hebrew, it's like a, like a limb without a body. It's not good for, for, for man to be alone, like a limb without a body, to be disconnected. And it says he creates woman. For, for community, for that they would live in community together. See, God exists in community, and he created you for community. When man was alone, he said, it's not good. But after both were there together, he said, this is good. This is how it should be. And when, when we live in community, we reflect the image of God. When we do life together, we reflect God. We show others this is who God is. See, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that some of the greatest thinkers of our day you know, this is called the age of connectivity that we're living in right now. Some of the greatest thinkers of our day are trying to figure out how to connect people to one another. They're trying to figure out how to get desperate people to do life with each other, right? Facebook, Twitter, Skype, all the devices that are being created, iPhones and Droids and the like. All these ways, you know, there's FaceTime on here. I can, I can pull this up right now and talk to my wife, you know, from, from afar, People, our greatest thinkers of our day, I think we would say these are brilliant people, are trying to connect us because we feel so disconnected. But here's what's interesting about this so-called age of connectivity. A professor of technology and society at MIT, Sherry Turkle, she says this, we are lonely 
but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. We expect more from technology and less from each other. This is never going to bridge the gap. It's never going to fill the hole, is it? We were made to be doing life with one another, face-to-face, in a group, in a community with each other. See, the age of connectivity doesn't just on its own equal connectedness. And in the process of, 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 of thinking that, we've missed out on so much. Uh, my life group, we were, we were hanging out at uh, one of our life group members' house last night. And uh, as we were hanging out, I kept noticing people would go into their fridge, right? They just kept going into the fridge. And as, what I found out was like the water spigot like, is actually on the inside of the fridge. You have to open it up to get in there. And I was just like thinking to myself, and we, we kind of got talking as a group, like everyone wishes they had a friend where they had fri- fridge rights. You know what I mean? Like you just, you, you've got those people, right? Like they come over to your house and you're just like, you just go so far back. You just like, you're such good friends. Like you got fridge rights, right? Like you don't have to ask, can I go? You just go, right? You just go and do. We all long for fridge rights. We all long for those people that we are just that, that close together with. But I wonder if we'll, if we'll stop waiting to step into that. Now, I think it's amazing the, uh, the, the, the ways, the, the, the things we choose to trust God with. Like, as adults, we sort of pick and choose. I think, it, it, you know, God often you know, challenges us to have the faith like a child. I, I was reminded of this about a week ago. I don't know if you remember, we had a really, like, really strong uh, storm front that went through about a week ago. And uh, there was the wind gusts were like 50, 60 miles per hour and beyond. It was really crazy. And where, where I live, the, the homes are kind of old, and, and the, the trees have just grown up. I mean, they're, they're huge. They're old. And we've had a lot of trees that have fallen in our neighborhood around our houses. And so as I went to bed, I just couldn't sleep because my kids, they, they sleep in the upstairs. And so um, I got up out of bed, and one by one, I went up and got each of my kids and brought them down and put them on the couch. And like our baby, we got, and we put like a you know, little pack and play. And what I thought was curious is not one of them woke up. <laughs> they just trusted Right? I, I, I was talking to my oldest daughter, our six-year-old, the next morning. I'm like, did you not notice that I brought you from your bed to your couch? She's like, yeah, I woke up in the middle, in the middle of the night, and I just thought, hey, the wind was kind of strong. Dad must have brought me down. Well, that's kind of like amazing, considering like we've never done that before. It wasn't like I like, got her up in the middle of the night and brought her down before. We, we haven't done that. And I was like, she just trusted. Dad's got me taken care of. Yet when God tells us to get into community, like you were made for community, you're going to be like a limb without a body without community. You need others. Like, hmm, maybe I'll trust. Maybe I'll listen. Maybe I'll get into a group. I wonder today if, that would, if we would just stop and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put all the chips in. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to hop in to a group with others. Pastor Benji has been challenging us all month with this verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And see, I know for every one of you in here, you want to do that. You want to step into that. You want that to be your life. But if you don't bridge the gap, you're never going to realize it. You're never going to fully step into it. You see, the way you bridge the gap is by intentionally scheduling connectedness. Intentionally scheduling connectedness. You just have to build it into your life. Right, because if you don't, life's far too busy, and you'll just you'll you'll get on month after month, year after year. You won't have put it in. 
And at the beginning, I said, bridging the gap will take you from potential to realization. The way we bridge that gap is through intentional connectedness. I just want to land the plane with these three closing notes. The first is this. Get in a group. Get in a group. Now, see, here at New Hope, like, we want to help you with this. Like, we're not just saying get in a group and then leaving you on your own. We want to help you with this. We have life groups that meet all over our city throughout the, uh, throughout the year, throughout the month, throughout the week, all over. Right? We, we have semester-based. And like I said, they're going to be starting at the end of this month. They're going to be ending in May, which is kind of nice, right? You don't want to just hop into a group and just hope that, man, I'm not going to be in this thing forever, right? No, 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 no. There's a, there's a semester. There's a semester, right? Tomorrow night, we're having a thing. It's a brand-new event called Group Link. And there's like a couple hundred already signed up for it at, at the various campuses. And in fact, there's a card underneath your seats, wherever you're at at the campuses. There's a card underneath the seat in front of you. If you haven't registered for that, register today. You can stop out in the rotunda. You can go home and do it on the computer. Whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you, get in a group. See, listen, like I, I'm being a, completely honest here. My goal is not to get you into a New Hope Life group. I mean, I think, I think they're pretty awesome. I know the leaders. So I think you'll like them. I want you doing life in a group because you need it, right? This is one of those things I can say, this is something I want from you, I want it for you. You need connectedness. Join us tomorrow night, we'd love to have you. The second thing is commit to a group. Commit to a group, right? Like going to a group, just showing up, not really participating and hoping, you know, expecting to bridge the gap is sort of like looking in a mirror and forgetting what you look like, right? Like you have to commit, you have to join in, you have to participate and say, I'm gonna own the health of this group. If everyone said, I'm going to own the health of this group that I'm doing life with, imagine how that would change things. And the last thing is this, invest in others. Invest in others. If I was to ask every one of you here today, how did you arrive at this place today? You're in church on a Sunday. How how did you get here? If I was to ask, you know, tell me your faith journey. My guess is for every one of you, there would be a someone. There'd be someone in that story who, who pointed you to faith. There would be a grandma, there'd be a dad, there'd be a friend or a coworker. There'd be some kind of story and there'd be someone in that. Here's what I also know about every one of you. You want to be that someone for somebody else. Get into a group, commit to a group, and then begin investing in others. How amazing would it be for us in a few months to be standing out at the, at the fountain and doing baptisms? And you said, I was a part of that story. I invested in that person. I prayed for them at the end of the group when they were struggling with, uh, with uh, something and their, their kids were going through a school. I, I prayed with that person. Or maybe they didn't even know I prayed for them. I prayed for them at home because I knew they were struggling with their marriage. I know this about you because I know it about myself. You want to be a part of that story. So begin investing in others. See, I know for each of us, we, we want a life full of meaning. We want to step into that potential that God has for each of us and realize and see, God, what will you do on the other side? Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you could actually start dreaming about it. God, what could you do with my life? But I beg you, don't leave it here. Bridge the gap, get into a group and see what God could do in you and through you. Get into a group. See, we, we just believe when you, you step out of a row, but believe me, awesome things take place in here. When you step out of a row and into a circle or into a group, you'll begin to experience that life is just simply better connected. Let's pray. Father God, God, thank you for making us for one another. 
Thank you for modeling relationship for us. God, you exist in relationship. For some of us in here, we've been doing a life alone, like a limb without a body for far too long. God, we're desperate for others to pour into our lives, to build into our lives. And more than that, we're, we're desperate to, to, to be a voice in someone else's life. You made us for one another. God, for, for all of us in here today, every one of us, you know our name. You know what the, the struggles are that we walked in with. You know the gap that we need to bridge. God, I pray that you would challenge each of us to take that next step, to go all in. You've been talking to us, God, for five weeks in this series. I know you've been stirring in our hearts, and I pray for everyone here, whatever it is, whatever that next step is, God, that would they step out of a row and step into the potential that you have for them. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. The, uh, the band is going to be walking out in just a second, and I'm going to, you're going to, if you, just when you thought you'd seen it all, just wait. Before that, uh, our technicians put together a little video about groups, and I want to invite you guys to take a look right now. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.